0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Empire Life podcast. I'm your host, Allison Ramsey. And on the Empire Life podcast, we dive really deep with founders from all around the world, all about how they got to point A to point Z in their success stories, learning deeply about them, that probably they don't share out these things anywhere else, or maybe they do, but we don't, we get to dive deeper here with them and learn their secrets, secrets to success. And then, able to immediately apply those. Empire Life is a coaching and mentoring company, and we support female founders in scaling their online empires. And today, our special guest is Dr. Noor Ali, and she is a Bangladeshi American medical doctor who her business is helping entrepreneurs to navigate health insurance. And I'll hand it over to her a little bit more to introduce herself.
1: Yes, thank you so much, Allison. Thank you for this opportunity, being able to speak here to your audience and talk more about myself, which is awesome. Who doesn't love doing that? Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm originally from Bangladesh, I grew up in New York City, I went to medical school straight out of high school, and my whole life and career was really um, just all about medicine, and then I did my master's in public health, so it was all very, he- very heavily science-based, uh, and now I'm a business owner in health insurance, so there was a big learning curve there, just kind of understanding how to go from a lifetime of deep science to business.
0: I want to dive deeper into that as well, <laughs> further in the podcast, because it, I definitely personally relate of being in software engineering and medical sciences with all of my studies, mostly the duration. And then realizing when I started, this is my third company. But even with that, the realization of, oh my gosh, I. I feel as if I've given myself an MBA almost with watching yes. and scaling three companies.
1: Oh my God! When I read Allison your chapter in in the Empire Life book, I was like resonating and connecting so much. Like that, the amount of learning that you ha- you have through your experiences and your failures, there's nothing that can replace that. Even if you had actually gotten an MBA, you wouldn't have learned as much as you did. Like through learning the way you did. So you're absolutely right. And I feel the same way. Like, it, it's like giving yourself an MD, MBA.
0: Exactly. And reading all the books, figuring out, oh my gosh, I didn't learn anything about even, from fi- myself speaking personally, I didn't learn anything about finances, budgeting, investments, planning for losses, business losses and gains, what that looks like over the course of quarters, what are quarters of the year even. I had no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> and I want to go ahead and, and dive right in to the first question, Dr. Nor. What are some challenges that you feel like you've overcome? And how did you overcome these? And how did you benefit? How how did you benefit from overcoming these and that at the end of this, like we were talking about? And thank you so much for talking about my chapter, it was a a huge project and I'm very proud of publishing the redefined book. And at the end of all of this, how did this make you stronger?
1: Of course. And yeah, thank you so much, Alison. Great job. I mean, you deserve to be proud of your work. And I'm going to answer this question with just what we were talking about. Actually, my biggest challenge was knowing absolutely nothing about business. Um, Coming from an educational background of pure medical science, I didn't even have an undergrad degree. I went straight to medical school after high school. So, And then now I'm I'm operating a business. So a lot of figuring things out, out things out the hard way and the the biggest way that I overcame this is is reading and teaching myself. so I would just I love reading but I love reading fiction. I actually never pick up a nonfiction book until I started my business and I was like holy shit I don't know anything about what I'm doing I'm just kind of like scrambling to get by and the only way I knew how was to read and learn about it. So I would read I still do three to five books nonfiction business books each week just to teach myself, Things like marketing, my biggest struggle. I knew nothing about marketing. Once I started getting my business going, I was like, "Oh shit! How do I keep this afloat? How do I get more new business?" So that was one of my biggest gaps in knowledge was marketing. And then I read tons of marketing books, and you know, now I know better. Um, And investing in courses, you know, it was just like getting an MBA because now there's so much knowledge and information out there. You don't need to go to a traditional school and get a traditional degree to acquire the knowledge that you need to apply it to your life immediately. So I enrolled in a course that cost uh, close to $10,000 just to gain this, this business knowledge and then applied it to my business. And it took about a year to like understand it, consume it, and then apply it, apply the changes and actually see the results. Um, so that was probably my biggest challenge uh, in, in business was r- learning how to run a business with no academic uh, acumen.
0: How do you feel like this benefited you and, and helped you to be stronger at the end of all of this? And yeah, I'm getting up, keep going.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I feel so empowered. I mean, I think the biggest source, like people tell me all the time, you're such a good speaker. You're so confident. I'm so confident because I take the time to read and learn that I, I don't feel afraid to, to speak my truth or share my knowledge because I know what I know is is solid knowledge. So because I took the time to read and understand and take courses, I feel like I now I, I got I got it together. I know what I'm doing on a scientific level. I can help and teach others my knowledge. I, I I'm not afraid. And I know that I can duplicate the process that I've built so far, because I took the time to invest in, in the knowledge and learn it on a scientific level.
0: Yes, I'm totally aligned with what you're saying. And there's a, a question, I don't remember exactly which book it was in, that I, I'm, first of all, I'm really impressed that you make the time to do four to five books a week that's usually my goal per month. And I feel that I have, (laughs) I have books everywhere in every room that remind me, and most of them are about business or finances, because like you were saying, I feel that's a gap for me. And I've had people, I've had people in my life, loved ones and clients tell me, you know, the most financial information About business and taxes of anybody that I know. And I still feel there's a huge amount of knowledge that Mm -hmm. I still need to learn and absorb. Oh, when I sit down, there's, I usually read a few pages at a time. I have books in my car. I'm wondering how do you? How do you manage to do that? Do you have books everywhere too? Yes, I definitely have books everywhere.
1: I have books on my nightstand, my reading corner in every room, but I also have a version. I have three versions of every book that I'm reading. So I have my paperback, I have it on my Kindle and I have the audio version. So I can really seamlessly kind of pick up where I am and I always stop at a chapter so it doesn't get confusing. So if I'm sitting, if I'm paperback reading it, I'll stop at that chapter and then I'll pick up the audiobook in my car on my commute. So I'm not mm. missing a gap. Um, love my Kindle. That's also helped as well, allows me to, you know, carry multiple books at once. Um, and I also I I do audiobooks or I read every time I'm doing um, a repetitive mundane task, like taking a shower or folding laundry. I'll do a chapter of an audiobook. I have like a waterproof Bluetooth speaker in my That's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. during laundry, washing dishes, um, even cooking. I do audiobooks during
0: that. I have a huge goal to do the audiobook for my my recent bestseller and then moving forward all of the, the series of books as that's yeah. of, of extreme great value. And if you're listening to this too, there's a lot of complimentary audiobooks on YouTube. I've been loving finding even books from the 1970s, like Think and Grow Rich. I listened to the whole audiobook the other day when I was doing dishes, like you were saying and folding clothes. There's another one, How to Be a Great Salesman, that was from the 1980s, I think, too. And every book, no matter which decade that it was written in, there's so many pieces and nuggets that we can pull from that and then immediately implement into our lives. Yeah, and definitely. I, I want to move on to the next one too. It, well, first of all, before we move on, you have a new article that came out in Thrive Global. Speaking of writing and books, and <laughs> you have a chance to to plug that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it, it was really cool. The feature was really about five things I wish I knew as a female founder, or you know, before I started my company. Mm. And uh, I think we all have these lessons that we learn after we fail and after we fall on our face, we get back up. So I shared some of those things in that article um, and I'm doing another feature on Entrepreneur Magazine as a continuation series for Power Woman, which I'm excited about as well. So you can actually find that article um, on my website at drnorhealth.com. It's linked. Just click on the Thrive Global logo and you can read it.
0: That's amazing. So fascinating. I will we'll definitely put that in the show notes and I will check that out too soon. Thank so you. How do you feel like an entrepreneur needs to manage their day or what kind of routines, like a morning routine or a night routine? And if you could share yours with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you definitely need a schedule and a routine, because as an entrepreneur, no one is looking over your shoulder. So if you want to stay in bed all day, you can. That's amazing. Obviously, that's not good for your business. But because of that lack of oversight, you absolutely need to self-create that routine, that discipline. Um, and, and you asked about um, a morning routine. And my answer is you need to have a routine, whatever that means for you. So for me, as a, as a new mom, I've got a little toddler I want so badly, so badly to have a morning routine because I know that doing X, Y, and Z will result in a phenomenal day for me. And I know exactly what those things are for me, kind of like a little bit five to 10 minute meditation, a little sun salutation or yoga stretching, maybe even read a chapter of a book, enjoy a cup of coffee before starting my day. Um, That would be amazing. Does that happen ever? Absolutely not. Because I am trying to get every minute of sleep that I can before my crying baby wakes me up and I am rushing to get him ready and brush my teeth. And sometimes it's just a hot mess. So even though I wish I had that, I don't have that, but I do have a routine and I try to take my, I make a nighttime self-care routine because the only time I have to myself is after my son is in bed. So at this point in my life right now, even though I don't have that ideal morning routine that I would love, I try to compensate that for to have a nighttime self care routine. And for me, that means uh, after he's in bed, after I've had dinner, spend time with my husband, I take about an hour in bed to read, I make sure I read, I pull out my planner, and I plan the next day. So I know what are my key things. And I focus on my needle moving tasks. So my one thing that I have to get done tomorrow to move the needle for my business for progress, I just make sure I have that focus item before I start my day Um, and then I have like a little packet of my skincare stuff that obviously you know as moms sometimes we we tend to neglect but if I know that I'm in bed and I'm doing my self-care routine I can just read and kind of be rubbing stuff on my face as I as I go so that's what I do for myself as a nighttime routine but hopefully my goal is to one day have a morning routine too.
0: Thank you for answering that so specifically. And I, I definitely resonate my, I have a teenager and I was reflecting the other day how I wasn't even sure if I washed my face without, with more than water for years. And a lot of people have told me, oh, your skin looks so good in, in that time too. And I was like, wow, thanks. It's water. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> No, oh my god, can I be honest? I totally there are days when I don't even get to like brush my teeth until my son goes down for his afternoon nap. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like get up, go, and can't do anything until he's down, you know. So it's hard, it's really hard.
0: Yes. Th- today I was reflecting on speaking of of gratitude, that's a, a huge routine for me. It when I wake up in the morning being really grateful for the morning and what I have or have had the opportunity to do and be and then before I go to sleep it's usually about five to ten things it could even be I took a shower with hot water today because I've I lived in 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 a few more than a few countries or even in this country in the U.S. and haven't had water or have had water restricted where I was taking a shower from a bucket or not a shower head and had to sit down and had to take a very short shower. So that's something even today, it was like, wow, I took a hot shower. I had time to have a hot lunch in the middle of the day or at lunchtime. But if I was in an office, it would be more complicated and I may not have time to grab a lunch. and having the, that for me, if I don't do anything else, I feel like that's one of the most important things for me in my morning routine and night routine that I, I don't necessarily have to write them down. Sometimes I say them in my head and one of them, you reminded me of that because one of them is, I wash my face and actually you, if I wash my face with actual face wash and use toner and moisturizer, like using moisturizer even is such a luxury.
1: I totally get it. There's so many things that you said I resonated with, and I love Mm -hmm. like the book ending your days with gratitude. Um, I, I understand how valuable that is and Before I had the habit, I used the five-minute journal to kind of establish that habit,
0: where Mm. you write
1: down three things in the morning before you start your day uh, that you're grateful for, and then three things at night after you've had your day. And then after you do that for a few weeks, the habit sets, so you can kind of do it mentally. And you're and now that you mentioned it, I didn't say this, but I absolutely do this. I don't get out of bed until I do that gratitude exercise mentally and make sure I say, you know, these are the things I'm grateful for. No, even even though it's like a harsh wake up with a screaming baby, it's like, you still have to be, and you know, the things that you are grateful for, I can resonate as well. When I lived in Bangladesh for medical school for six years, um, there was no running water was scarce electricity was Mm -hmm. cut off at a certain point every day, we had to share the electricity. Um, There's no technology, no internet. So those are some things I do make sure that I mention. I'm grateful for is Wi Fi things we take for granted, right? And uh, running water, clean water, clean drinking water. So I'm I'm really glad that you mentioned those things that we take for granted that we really need to intentionally be grateful for every day.
0: Yes, I have full body chills when you're talking about that as I for sure. I extremely resonate with what you're saying. Another thing is like you were saying the electricity being restricted yeah. in some places. So if, if I can have hot tea at the end of the night, which I love, I don't know if you like chai tea and my daughter-in-law love to have a caffeine free chai tea with oat milk. I started getting more in oat milk lately yes. and a little bit of honey. That's huge. I actually have the time. I'm not running around frantic- frantically or overwhelmed or working three jobs as I have a lot of times in my life. But if I have an hour at night to have a cup of tea or even if it's a glass of wine, like I have accessibility to nice tea and wine and get to choose and maybe watch my favorite show or read a book. There's a lot of times in my life when I did not have, have the time or I guess, peace of mind, space that and quiet to be able to do those things. And also even having those resources or access to them. So I for sure relate to that gratitude. And I want to move on to the next one. And how do you handle negativity in your life? How do you cope and handle that?
1: I'm going to answer it very simply. I walk away. I, I, if someone is being negative or there, or I, I, I feel the energy of negativity, I start to feel uncomfortable. Like I don't want to be in that space. So I just like walk away because I don't want to be a part of that. And I don't want it to seep into my kind of sphere of, mm. of the positivity that I try to maintain. So you know in, in instead of entertaining it or talking more about it and giving it more energy i just physically remove myself from the situation as best as i can
0: is there any phrase that you've said before
1: that no i don't say anything i just walk away i simply walk away that's
0: incredible <laughs> i wish I, don't think- I need to learn from you
1: <laughs> no because the person or or whoever is you know being negative obviously they're not aware or they're not understanding like the impact it's having on me or their surrounding people. Otherwise, maybe they, they wouldn't be doing it. Or maybe they do understand and they want to be negative anyway. But I can't control their understanding or their spewing of negativity, but I can control what I say and do. And most times I don't say anything because I don't know if it's worth it. So I just
0: walk away. But again, that's incredible <laughs> to to have the, the bravery and courage to remove yourself from a situation that you know is going to be toxic and unhealthy for you. And then you may carry that with you, that frustration and reflect it to other people that you love in your life. I was mentioning to a client this morning in a client call to refocus on what is it that you have control of here in this. They were describing a situation where they felt a lot of Overwhelm, frustration, basically lack of control yeah. in the situation. And it, in order to not reflect that to people you love and others around you, or another thing they mentioned was feeling maxed out by the whole situation. It's like, okay, let's take a step back. And the only thing you can do right now is to focus on what is it that I can control? Just like what you said, and they can't control if they decide to walk away or what they want to say in the situation, how they plan out, what are the next steps for them, anticipating different roadblocks that may come up. How do you feel about that? You agree with that?
1: Yeah, I agree. And and I will mention that it's, it's really hard. Like I'm just saying, yeah, walk away. Like it's so easy. <laughs> it's not easy. And when you're, it's, it's depending on the situation you're in, if you're with a, a colleague or a coworker and they're acting a way you don't want, maybe it's easier to just walk, walk away from them. But if you're in a, you're talking to a partner and, you know, in an intimate relationship and they're being negative, that's really sensitive. It's you, maybe you can't just walk away and maybe, you know, they expect you to engage, but to have the maturity and the control to not engage also in a negative way um, is really, really, really hard. So I'm not saying that it's easy. It's definitely taken me years to even come to the understanding that, oh, what I need to do now is not to react, is to pause and walk away and let things settle. Um, And I'm still working on it. You know, it's still not easy. I will say it's easier at work than it is at home.
0: It is. And I I had an experience with my own parents where I needed to, Mm -hmm. I stated what I wanted to happen or the boundaries that I wanted. And there was a, a, say big emotional reaction (laughs) and they didn't quite see eye to eye with me on that situation. And I did feel that was the only solution in that moment was to walk away and let the dust settle and then be able to talk about it again at a later time when things were a bit more peaceful and calm because for me that's i was raised in that way i saw a lot of those examples of being reactionary yeah like and matching someone at the level where they were at if they were raising their voice then in my house then another person raised their voice and matched them or they were feeling emotional and then the other person got just as emotional or they were like stabbing them with jabs of yeah, commentary or negativity. Then the other person brought up things from five years ago, that one time in May, five years ago. It's like, what? So yeah. I learned through all of those experiences, none of that is helpful when we're faced with negativity or a lot of emotional, a big reaction. But all we can do is be grounded in our truth, state our truth and let things play out how they want to play out, hope that the other person is going to receive it in a fully a healthy way. And if they have their own things to work through, like you were saying, it's sometimes it's better to give some space instead of give ourselves the space to respond instead yeah. of just react, being reactionary. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's huge.
1: Yeah. You and I have that understanding of what needs to be done in an ideal situation. But if you and I were in that space, I, I think it would turn out just fine. But if you're in a, a situation where the other person doesn't have this awareness or this knowledge, like, Hey, it's best for both of us to just stop and walk away right now and revisit this. Then how, how do you handle that? Because you know what needs to be done, but they don't. And they can view your lack of reaction as not caring or, you know, something else. And it can even get worse. So it's really I have different.
0: heard that. I have heard that before, that people think if you're not matching them, then do you not, like you said, do you not care about it as yeah. much? Yeah. Yeah. Or are you like an unemotional robot? Yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) I believe me. I have a lot going on inside. I'm choosing to take a second because I know the outcome is going to be a lot better from a lot of experiences (laughs) in reacting or saying something that I may regret. I know the outcome is going to be better to have the groundedness and come from my truth or if I need time to process, like you said, to say, Something along the lines of, do you mind if I process this a bit and then get back to, you?" oh, wow, I didn't realize some phrases that I've used and with clients too. Like, oh, I didn't realize how deep this was getting. And we only have about 10 minutes left on the call. Can can we revisit this the next time? Or can we we do it in Voxer or email each other about this particular topic? Because I really want to make sure that they feel heard. And similarly with my loved ones and friends and child, the if I can't fully hear them at that moment, or it's just getting way too complex, like, hey, we, let's, we probably need to revisit this. Because I wasn't aware. Like, just taking the responsibility. I wasn't aware of how deep this was going to go. Or I'm really sleepy, and I'm not really able to, <laughs> to process everything. I'm just not following. Oh, let's let's talk about like just just like take the take it on myself and this is me I will say Allison I mean that
1: approach is so noble and I love it and that's what we all need to do but coming from a different culture sometimes the the language even the words that you just said like that approach and that language doesn't even exist (laughs) when we deal with like our our elders in our community or you Mm. know even other relationships in our, in our household or extended family members, like, it's like crazy. Like, what are you talking about? You're sleeping. You don't want to talk about this. Or like, what do you mean? It's, we're going to talk about this later. No, it's now or never. This is when we're having Mm. the conversation, which isn't really a conversation at all. So it's, it's definitely challenging. And, who you're speaking with their background their upbringing like you mentioned you know childhood growing up was very different than what you're doing now and you had to learn and experience but maybe the people that you grew up with your parents your grandparents maybe they still haven't caught up to that awareness so they're still behaving in the same way and you're trying to move on and be better but it's just not working because you're in two different spheres so there's a lot yeah. of factors.
0: <laughs> there yes there's a lot of factors and then they're thinking this is so weird. I don't like anything that you're saying to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like what like what you're saying isn't making sense. Like I said in my country like there there's no language that they can process like these kind of phrases that are very valid, that are very reasonable and you know, a, a mature and intelligent way to handle these kind of situations, but to some people it's incomprehensible.
0: Yes, I I've been in some situations like that. I I don't, I don't like the word, it it might sound negative, but I don't mean in a negative way that I feel like some cultures being confrontational is more accepted. Yeah. And if they ask you a question and they really want to talk about it, like they really want to talk about it and they feel this urgency. Mm. And I used to have a sign when I was working in an office that said like, you're your lack of planning is not my emergency, something like that. Uh, that kind yeah. Of, yeah. Like if, if someone has urgency or they think it's an emergency that they have to talk to you about something right now, a lot of times it's not. Mm. It's, it, I used to also sometimes have, on the flip side of that, feel impatient with I just got to get these five things checked off with this person and just get cover all these things in this one conversation. And then we can move on to the next thing and everything will be great. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Like they might be in a bad mood or didn't eat properly that day, didn't sleep well, and through a lot of experiences and developing more of my EQ, I have to analyze is this really a good time yeah. and if it's not it for myself and the other person because we both need to be able to absorb what we're talking about yeah and if it's not it like letting them off the hook and letting myself yeah. off the hook Like maybe you just need to go take a nap. Like, or maybe I just need a nap.
1: Yeah. maybe I'm so glad that you mentioned EQ here because you, we have to realize that the way people behave has really nothing to do with us. It's all about them and their experience. So if someone's being not nice to you or they're not reacting in a way that you want them to, or they're not receptive of what you're saying, it really has nothing to do with you. It's because like you said, they need a nap, they're hungry. They had a bad day. (laughs) So really try to be more accepting of that and, and loving of that, that, Hey, it's okay that you're having a bad day. Cause you know, I have those bad days too. And if you think back, you probably, you know, misbehaved or acted in a not nice way to someone who was in the shoes that you're in now. So it's really important to be to be loving and an understanding of other people's perspectives and not take it personally when you don't receive the reaction you're expecting.
0: Amen. That was that's probably one of the highlights. <laughs> That yeah. Incredible. So I want to move on to the next question, Dr. Noor. What traits about yourself helped you throughout your entrepreneurship journey?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say the trait of, of resiliency. And I know Allison, mm. you can, um, you know, relate to some of the, the next points that I want to mention in, for this question. Um, I used to be super, super ashamed of my failures And they're failures that I defined to be failures because of my cultural expectations, my societal expectations. Um, You know, where I come from in my community, it's you have these options, career options. And if you're not in those career options, you're basically worthless or you're a failure. Um, And I I labeled myself as that for many, many years. Um, And it took me a while to embrace that failure and call it success, which is what I'm doing now. And I, and I talk about this a lot, you'll see in my social media. And, you know, I'm very open to talk about failures because that's how we rise. And it's very, you know, society just likes to highlight like, you know, your revenue and your successes, but no one talks about all the shit you had to go through to get there and the number of times you had to fail and fall. So I want to talk about the failures more. So those who are going through that failure can know and understand that it's normal. Everybody goes through it. In fact, it's obligatory. You have to fail in order to reach that next level of success. Um, So I would say my trade is really resiliency and not giving up. Um, and being able to apply everything that I learned. so when I consume and read all these books, it's not just like check oh, I read this book. I'm immediately applying that new knowledge to my business to, to better myself to better my relationships to better you know my business and really embrace the failures as very crucial stepping stones to the next level of success.
0: Yes, for sure I yeah and you're right. I. <clears throat> hard resonate with all of those. And and I I feel as you another another quick point, as you rise yourself and you learn and implement all of these things, absorb the information, then you're able, as you were saying at the beginning, to turn around and share that knowledge and mentor others around you and be this great shining light. I'd like to describe it as a lighthouse and people need that lighthouse is not necessarily as we are moving the lighthouse all around and frantically going around to try to get people to need the lighthouse. People just need it when they come by. They need to be able to absorb and hear what we're having to say. And another thing like waves crash on it. Sometimes the lighthouse gets beat up sometimes by storms and still stands strong and is rooted like a huge tree or the cement in the ground that it's built with. That's how I, to, to paraphrase, that's what I'm hearing too. And I have, I felt that for a long time about myself and sometimes not always proud of that because I was labeled the strong one in my family or she doesn't really need our support or advice. Cause she just always figures it out. She's just always fine. She always learns from her mistakes or she's just fine. Mm-hmm. And part of that was learning my own vulnerability too. Understanding what vulnerability meant for me and applying that in my life is an ongoing growth edge. Like you said, that resilience, getting back up again, or another key point I wanted to bring up, there's a book, and I don't remember the name of it that I'm reading right now, that they talked about one of the number one successes, well, number the, one of the number one reasons, wait, okay, let me, repair, let me rephrase that. The, the question was exactly, what is the number one thing that really, like, wildly successful people have in common? And what they found in their research was they all had a huge failure in their life. Whether that was losing everything in a law case, like a, a judgment against them, or a really nasty divorce, a bankruptcy, like falling flat on their face, basically. That was the number one thing they all had in common. And I I had full body chills when I read that. I was like, oh, my yeah, gosh.
1: I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, goosebumping right now. That. Uh,
0: Yes. And like uh, almost tears, even I'm even feeling tears, almost saying it out loud, because for so long, like you were saying, and you read in my book, I beat myself up. that why did I have to go through that? Why wasn't I more responsible? Or I'm bad with money? Or why can't I have just stuck it out and finished medical school because i went to a year of medical school and worked so hard to get there why didn't i just finish and just do it just just go with just go with it instead of needing to go against the grain or needing to take some time off and then get my master's later like all these things that didn't quite make sense to me in the moment Mm -hmm. all start clicking as you have success or, or realize, oh my gosh, I'm not another, another point realizing I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only person that's gone through a bankruptcy or gone through a divorce or fallen flat on my face and not knowing where, how, where I was going to turn next or how I was going to succeed in the situation. How I was going to pay for food or pay for rent sometimes eating one meal a day, like I, am not the only one who's gone through these. And actually that's strength. Like you were saying, rephrasing, Mm. turning those failures or mistakes, learning lessons, growth edges, that that's actually now one of our biggest strengths that we can then turn around and send the elevator back down, especially to other women that are going through something similar or they may read, like you're sharing on social media, that's a way that you're reaching your hand down and being like, I'm on solid ground right now. And this is my hand. And you know you can come up here with us like there's space for everybody here at the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so
1: powerful. Everything you said, <laughs> Alex, and I'm just yeah, just feeling it, feeling all of it. And thank you for sharing. And, you know, if you didn't, share that that struggle that you went through then how would you know or how would anyone else know that it's okay and you've made it or if they're going through it they feel that light you know at the end of the tunnel that okay she made it i can make it too you know so it is important to be vocal about our experiences and it's something i struggle with because i i hid behind or, or i was ashamed for for years and it took a long time for me to be vocal about it but i am glad that we're both doing it now because it is important for other women going through it
0: Yes, it's a gift and, and the I wanted to move on to the next one. What are your most overlooked strategies that you feel like are, are areas that sometimes people don't have any idea about and why are they important to you? In yeah, I'll
1: mention, I'll mention one strategy that I think is overlooked and that's creating systems um, and documenting everything you do from the start. Um, I think it's really important it's overlooked because when you're starting a business there's so much to do and documenting it is definitely not on the radar um but the reason i want to be very specific about why this is so important um is because there's going to be a period of your business hopefully that's the goal is when you have growth and you have tremendous growth and sometimes the growth is too fast for you to keep up with that's when those systems and documentation is going to come into clutch and if you're going through that and you haven't created it from the start you are going to fall on your face flat because you won't have the capacity to create it later because you're growing too much you have you're going too fast and too much so doing everything in a systemic way and creating a standard operating procedures, or even just like writing down your processes on a Google Sheet or Word doc is helpful because then you can pull from that, you can expand that, you can modify it to create more complex strategies and systems. Um, but really the key, the, the significance of creating systems and structures and frameworks and documenting from the start is not at the start, but it's for three to five years later, when you're growing, you're gonna need to rely on, go back to that and, and rely on that.
0: Yeah, to add yes to add to that, I I have I'm almost out of space on my Google Drive because I have so many folders and SOPs, and it is a from mentoring a lot of clients. I have seen it's a growth edge for a lot of us to take to to even feel that it's valuable, worth our time to create those SOPs and I've even, as a person who loves strategies and structure, and I feel that I can be more spontaneous within structure as part of my personality, I have found, and even parenting, I think it's similar that sometimes it feel I have to overcome the idea that, Oh, if I just do this myself, mm-hmm. then I can save some time here because I don't need to explain it to someone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always go back to the, to the example about teaching my daughter how to unload the dishwasher. I, I feel it's been like five years that I've been <laughs> teaching her how to do it. And now she's even better at better than me at it. Yeah. And similarly, when we're writing SOPs of breaking down all the steps, it might feel like overkill and, oh my gosh, it would be faster. Mm-hmm. I just did it myself. Mm-hmm what if someone doesn't do it better than me or as good as me and delegating is almost a spiritual task in my opinion but letting go of some of that control because we have quite a big team now at empire life and communicating the step by step and having sops so then they can train someone else or a new person can come on easily and have the onboarding process be super smooth. A lot of times a quick, a quick thing I wanted to mention is they find something that I missed. Like there's, if they're using a software, for example, they may see a faster way to do something, that I didn't even include in the SOP. Or did you also know there's this other feature up here to the to the right on the team meeting? And I'm thinking, oh, this is incredible. I didn't even see that. I've been doing it like this other thing because I'm yeah. so focused on I got to get this done and I'm just going to do it now. I'm not I'm not as expansively looking yeah. at it as someone on my team that that's their sole responsibility.
1: Yes, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it gives a great sense of empowerment because recently I was doing, so I didn't always have this. I did not have SOPs. I did not have systems and structures and strategies, but um, now as I'm growing and I'm like, oh shit, well, I should have done this before and I didn't. So I better do it now before I grow too much and it's going to be overwhelming for me. Um, so I did you know, prioritize that. And recently I was working with um, in the public sector with a grant consultant and some, some people who are helping with government bids and contracts and one of our introductory calls was a checklist that if you even want to participate in this game we need to know do you have a business plan a strategic plan um you know there was a whole bunch of things in the checklist and i felt so good that i said yes to most of them you know whereas i know a whole lot of people you know peers and colleagues who would definitely say no and were either on par or sometimes they're even more experienced in me in my business. So I felt so incredibly proud of myself that even if I don't need it right now to be to know that, yes, I'm doing things the right way. My business is headed in the right direction because I have all of these things in place.
0: That's incredible. And good luck with Thank you with that as well. I recently applied for a $10,000 grant and fingers crossed. <laughs> All of that, all of that could be utilized to get someone on my team a new laptop or pay for better software for all the things that we need. There's always something that that we need. And I'm I'm very proud of you for putting yourself out there.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, We might have to talk a little bit more about that, Allison, because I I didn't get far, but uh, maybe we can talk more and you can help me in that sector.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I wanna, I wanna move on because we're almost out of time. Before we hop off, what are the three concepts that you wanna leave the audience with?
1: Yes. Well, I don't know if we have time for three, so I'll just share. Okay, one just one. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, And this is like a little, I don't know if it's like a little immigrant cultural hack, but as a business owner, what I've learned is you mentioned the power of of delegation and how important that is to to let someone else do something if they're better than you at it um, and to kind of give up that control and power, which results in a broader scope that you may not have seen. But as business owners, sometimes we don't have that capacity or the funds to, to hire someone or to delegate it. So what I do is I try to do it Cheaper the first time around by outsourcing um, I most of my team that helps me manage my brand are all are all over the country so they're in Asia they're in Singapore, um, Philippines Singapore and Canada, and I've, I found that it's like a third of the cost and they're happy to do the work so definitely start there. Do it cheaper. Um, Don't do it yourself, but hire cheaper help to do it. And then, of course, when you scale and then you're able to afford them, then go professional level. So if you realize and understand the importance of delegation but can't necessarily afford it, there's definitely alternative options to outsource that work with contractors and freelancers who are abroad.
0: Yes. And a lot of our team is in Mexico. Was where in Texas. And they are incredible at what they do and also and also experts. So I, I wanted to add that too that there's a lot of people in those countries that are experts in what they're doing, and at the same time are a third, yeah, a third of the cost. and the cost of living is is really different. Yes. You know, f- for them are the exchange rate. and that feels that's a really empowering to come from that place too and to be able to have those relationships because I feel like we're like all family and really supporting each other and they really believe in our mission and to to be able to help their lives like one person on our team their husband recently lost their job in the pandemic so she's working full-time and then after she gets off work she's also putting in all of our hours for empire life. Whereas before she could work a little bit part-time and have the other half of the day to do empire life support and work for us. And now she's doing it after her kids go to bed like three to four hours at night. And she is the sole breadwinner and they, she relies on that money. Yeah. And that feels amazing to be able to impact Of course, it's very devastating. Uh, Her having the ability to step in to that Mm -hmm. leadership role in her family is incredible. Yeah, that is. And I want to do a quick plug too before we hop off that make sure that you go check out that article on Thrive Global about the five concepts of what you needed to know as a female founder. Did I say that right? Yep, yep. Five things Uh, I wish I knew as a female founder. And that's on drnorhealth.com. Yep, you can find that as a link on my website.